0: Hello, um, it's Margot Kingston here, and I'm about to talk to Rebecca Sharkey, a really interesting independent with a, a fascinating backstory. Um, with the retirement of Kathy McGowan, I think Rebecca's going to be the, the standout um, sensible centre independent heading into the election. So here we go.
1: Hello, Rebecca. Yeah, good. Good, good morning. Good to be with you, Margot.
0: Hi, oh, I'm hey, um, just catching up with the the morning's news that the government has approved to that um, we're all going to lose our elect- uh, our um, our cars. That the government, that, that our Labor government's going to force us to drive electric four wheel drives. We're definitely in an election campaign, and <laughs> um, you're standing in the uh, the sensible centre. What are you What are you thinking about what we what, what's to come at uh, at votes 2019?
1: Look, sadly, I think this campaign will be a very negative campaign from government. Uh, I think the Prime Minister has already flagged that. And, and I don't think that that's what the community wants to hear. I think the community looks for members of parliament who are aspirational, uh, who are realists, who look at the long term. And, uh, you know, I mean, the hyperbole around, around the electric cars. I- it's just gobsmacking considering we've, we've, you know, got fantastic media reports and and even um, Josh Frydenberg's, um own editorials on on how great the future looks with electric cars, um, but now we're we're supposed to be fearful of them. And I, I rail against the pol- the politics of fear.
0: I I'm interested in in your successor. I looked over your backstory, and you were a, a Democrat for a long time. You were a Liberal staffer. You were in the Liberal Party for a little bit joined Nick Xenophon's team, that collapsed and and now you're a a proud independent. Tell me what you've learned along the way until you stood in.
1: I might just kind of clarify some of that. I did hand out how to vote cards for the Democrats, but I was never a card carrying member. But that was when I was you know a young person and I followed Janine Haynes and I had um, you know enormous respect for for Janine and I really wanted her to win the seat of Kingston. It wasn't to be, but it, it, I guess it started um, my love of politics. Um, I'm seen as an independent, but I'm part of Centre Alliance. I, I guess my community sees you. Centre Alliance is the former name for the Xenophon uh, team. Um, but, you know, we need to do more to sort of lift the profile of our name, as I, as I think um, it, it's hard for people to transition the name to the two. So while, while we all... Um, can ha- have the opportunity to vote independently within the team if we don't support a particular piece of legislation. Collectively, so far, we have voted together, but with, there's still two senators and me. So, so, so sorry to correct you there. It's, um yeah, Centre Alliance is our team. I'm
0: very interested in in this idea of having an alliance rather than a party, because it seems to me that with the, the rise, cross fingers of, of centrist independence around Australia, that we might see what you've pioneered in in South Australia becoming Mm -hmm. national, that there'll be core issues you come together on, but you'll have the freedom to dissent and vote another way if that's what the needs of your electorate require?
1: Absolutely, because uh, for us, there was always a deep concern around how party politics, I think, thwarts true representation in the parliament so yes i've got the strength of a team but i also have the flexibility and freedom to authentically represent my community and to vote how i believe my community would would like me to vote on a particular issue um so far though we've been quite fortunate that the three of us in the you know so um rex patrick uh and uh, sterling griff and i you know we, we've talked out any differences that we've had with respect to legislation so far, we've we've voted um, the same uh, in both chambers, um, but we do provide each other with that freedom. Should we not want to?
0: So, I'd like to take you back to to two thousand and sixteen. Um, Jamie yes. Briggs owned the seat of Mayo, and it's always been a Liberal seat. Somehow, some way, you got a six. He, he suffered a sixteen percent swing on primaries. And and you won that seat by the extraordinary margin of fifty five forty five. So So what happened there? And tell us the secret of your success.
1: Well, look, I think there were probably many factors that came together. Firstly, I'd like to acknowledge John Schuman, because John Schuman ran in the seat back in 1998 as a Democrat um, with, the, with the Australian Democrats and he came very close to beating Alexander Downer and I always felt that my community were waiting for another person from the centre to have you know the chance of winning so that was always in the back of my mind how how John um, Schumann nearly won the seat and I think so often people would say gee what could have happened if if you know, I think it was about 400 votes that needed to change in order for him to unseat Alexander Downer. So I'll I'll just kind of put that there because my community, I think, is very much small L liberal. And I think that while it's that, it is very difficult for an independent or minor party person to, to take a seat from one of the major parties because there's so much money in politics; it, it, it's enormously difficult to get your um, to get yourself out there, to get who you are and what you want to achieve out there. But I think that there was a number of factors. I, I don't think that the previous sitting member um, perhaps resonated as well with the community as he could, uh, and I think there's a lot of parallels between, uh, you know, Jamie Briggs you know, not wanting to be disrespectful there, or, and say Sophie Mirabella. Um, who Kathy mcgowan uh, unseated back in two thousand and thirteen, and then um of course you know Nick, Nick is very well known in South Australia, so Nick um, suggested that I put my name forward to run for Mayo, and then we had quite a quite a lengthy pre selection process for all of the seeds, uh, and I was fortunate to be chosen, but I did do something that was a little. <laughs> little bullshit. I actually, um, and and something I I wouldn't recommend to everybody because it is extraordinarily hard to win is I, I did put a second mortgage on the house to cover my living expenses and campaign expenses and then I quit my job. So, you know, for a significant period of time I was using that money to spend every weekend out door knocking, holding sausage sizzles in park. And really just using every opportunity to meet with as many people in the community, in a very large electorate.
0: So, given that you had a scandal-prone member, I, I like the, the analogy with, with Sophie, which certainly made it easier for Cathy to get over the line in, in Indi in, um, in 2013. The Liberals must have been confident that they would be able to win that seat back in the by-election. Just, you know, a bit of ancient history, you got caught up in the eligibility crisis and had to go to um, that Super Saturday by-election. They put up what I would call, who I would call a hard-right candidate, um, Alexander's daughter, who lived in, in Victoria, member of the IPA, but had enormous backing. And yet you increased your margin by 2%. So take us through that. How did, how did that happen? How, how did you come to be solidly
1: established
0: as the, as the owner of that seat?
1: Well, I don't think anyone's the owner of a seat. And, and, you know, we're about to go through it all again. And every election, you just don't know what's going to happen. I've tried very hard from the 3rd of July 2016 to prove to the people of Mayo that they made the right choice. And I knew from my time in politics, and you talked about how I worked in the Liberal Party, that um, not all members, but some members, you only seen them at election time. And I was determined never to be seen as that member. Um, in fact, I've even had emails where people have said, we actually just see too much of you. <laughs> you, need to, you need to go and, you know, make sure you spend more time with your family. Um, but I do, uh, since that time, I've worked 70, 80 hours every week um, and there's not an inch of my electorate I don't know. There's not a back road I don't know. And I I, I do it because I, I just genuinely love the community that I represent and you never know how long you have the job for. So I've tried to make every day count the two in it. And I think that... People appreciated the how we've been able to achieve an enormous amount in the community, um, and it's a different style of politics. I think I think people have really enjoyed being part of, you know, community forums right across the electorate. In total, um, we've had close to forty. Well, we have. We've had forty community forums across the electorate, uh, and uh, and it's about continual engagement and. And rather than representing a party, it's making sure that you're truly representing how your community um, feels on a particular issue in the parliament, but then also advocating for needs in the community at a grassroots level. One of the things that
0: intrigues me about the the rise of the independence is every side of the debate has to sort of give up a little. Like your you blue progressives have to give up a little and your you red progressives have to give up a little and you, it seems like a genuine attempt to find some sort of acceptable community consensus which is a completely different way to the way adversarial politics plays the game.
1: Yes, um, and it is. It's about It's about finding a good compromise with a lot of legislation down the centre. Uh, And I think most people sit somewhere near the centre. They're either just to the centre to the left or just the centre to the right. I think the other thing that my community have experienced in the last couple of years, which is the first time since the seat was created, is um, being a marginal seat. And it's actually quite nice to... To, to have the Prime Ministers and, and, you know, everybody now knows where Mayo was. If I'd asked people three, four years ago, where's Mayo? You know, if I was in the middle of Melbourne, I'd say, well, you know, where's the seat of Mayo? People would have no idea. And I think that that has changed because we've been able to draw um, so much attention nationally to us as a community. And, and when you live in a, in a safe seat, you have forgotten by both sides. You're forgotten by, you know, if, it's, if liberals are in government, you, you're taken for granted because they just assume they've got your vote. If um, Labor's in government, um, you know they know they know that this is not their voting community, and so we have we've been trying to play catch up for a couple of years now with respect to our infrastructure, uh, and um, and it's you know marginal seats count. So I've I've been in. Um, I guess part of my work is, is sharing with people what it can look like when you're in a marginal seat, the strategy behind that, but also how we can make sure that what we collectively care about, and some of those issues are not on either of the two major parties' radars, such as um, oil drilling in the bite. It's a huge issue in my community. Um, and, and it's about taking those issues to the nation's capital as well.
0: I must say I was surprised that the Libs decided to put Georgina uh, down up again Um, but it's really clear that they they want to win this seat back and I think that it was uh, Georgina handing out what looked like a personal check on a government grant and and you you not being invited that sort of got people aware that this was something that was happening across the nation. Um, How is your electorate Responding to to the Liberals' tactics, and do you think that that you're in danger from Georgina this time?
1: Oh, look, you know, I guess you're always in danger when you're up against a cashed up machine, which is what I was against in the by election and I'm against now. Uh, Overwhelmingly, my community was quite appalled by the whole check. Debacle. but it really raised an important issue is that this is taxpayer funded money um, it wasn't a donation from the liberal party and the process of that um, you know it, it's it, it went against all protocols all elements of good governance it wasn't the only place that the candidate was in attendance for a presentation but i think it was the only one where it was just the candidate and they came along with a um, a big novelty check. Ultimately, though, I think that the government, and I think this is true of both the major parties, sometimes take the electorate or electorates for fools, and I think people are much smarter than that. People see through the rubbish. People see through the fact that, you know, $600,000 a day is being spent right now on government advertising, and they don't like it. And this is why... If I said to people, what are your top five things that you want to change in the parliament, they would want to get rid of political donations and the whole entitlement system and the the behaviour of our politicians. And that really goes to the heart of that action.
0: Well, um, as you know, um, No Fibs is sort of got a couple of bottom lines for the independents we support. One is um, that they're really committed to honest politics and and reforming the system. And the second is that they're committed to strong action on climate change. Mm -hmm. Um, This seems to be, particularly on climate change, seems to be uniting all of the the quality independents standing in in safe coalition seats. Where do you stand on that issue and and how important do you think it will be um, at the election?
1: I think this will be an election about climate change and I think that we have seen such inaction over the last six years that it's actually infuriating the community. It seems that every other part of the community, whether it's the business community, whether it's the NGO sector, want to see change and, and really that's what we're seeing globally. But there's this wedded fascination to coal, particularly um with the coalition, I mean, you know, you only have to look that it was it wasn't that long ago that a piece of coal was being bounced along the front bench, and I think that this will be the, the lack of action on climate change, the lack of certainty, is what uh, for industry to invest in future technologies is driving up the price of of energy for all Australians. And I and when I have people come to the parliament, and um, Karen Phelps joined with me, and we we launched the Parliamentary Friends of Climate Action because, you know, you've got all these Parliamentary Friends groups in the Parliament for every kind of sporting code uh, there is, every kind of, um, you know, disease, and, and that's really important that we have it. We had nothing for climate change, nothing for climate action, but when I, when I had in the Parliament um, for that launch farmers for climate action, all from uh, uh, essentially National Party seats, when they are in there to launch for two independents, you know there's there's trouble in the regions and and the government is just turning their eye to it and it's it's deeply concerning because this is their heartland.
0: Yes. Um, I'm really thrilled that you're going to write a a view from the crossbench, or you've already started writing a view from the Mm -hmm. crossbench column for us during the election. So I'd just like to end off asking you what practical advice would you give the independents standing um on climate change and honest politics to i suppose get the best result they can but but also to stay sane i mean (laughs) to to be up against a machine to have no money to Mm be relying on volunteers to be seated the pants it must be an Mm -hmm. extraordinary experience so you got any any advice for the the people going through the journey you've
1: been through Sure. Well, look, I, I definitely take it one day at a time. I mean, that's that's how I've approached both the elections. Um, you know, they say if you want to eat an elephant, you eat it one bite at a time. So, to taking it one day at a time and taking care of yourself, it enjoy it. Enjoy. I know that sounds crazy, but truly enjoy it because you you get to meet so many wonderful people in your community and and you finish the election just um knowing more about yourself and knowing even more about your community i think um, ruth mcgowan has has recently written a book called um i think it's called get elected and i would encourage anyone who's thinking of standing to read that book it's full of practical ideas on how to get the volunteers and and mobilize because ultimately if you don't have the money like i don't have the money i think i i think we spent about sixty-five, seventy thousand dollars during the by-election, and I think rough calculations were that around a million dollars was spent trying to um, get rid of me in the seat. So if you don't have the money, you need people, and it's a and how you find people is is really through those networks of circles. Um, you know, you'll find people who who are supporters, and then. Ask them to help find people. And before you know it, you should be able to, to, if your community, if there's a broad feeling in your community that they want change, you can mobilise your community to get behind you. You've got to be authentic in your message. You can't say one thing to one group and then one thing to another. And and if your position uh, is is perhaps on an issue, is perhaps a little different to your community, I think you just need to be honest with that. Um I find in in Mayo that we are, as I said, quite small liberal and I held When I was first elected, I wrote to every person in the community and said, well, what do you care about? And, and what was really interesting was that for our community, the number one issue right across the electorate, no matter where you were, and it's a very large electorate, it's more than 9,000 square kilometres, was health. And the second issue was the environment and whether people were young or, or they were grandparents people deeply care about ensuring that the environment in mayo continues and a very big part of that is action on climate change so Mm -hmm. i think um it's it's not a fringe issue and i and i i feel though that there are people um uh, on the government side who see this as a fringe issue and who themselves don't accept the science of climate change so i'm a very big believer in evidence-based policy and the best thing that any candidate can do is be well read on issues and have the evidence before them you make a very powerful argument when you can point to you know the the report recent report on the nindy fish fish like, um uh, sorry fish kills or or you can um refer to um AMO reports you know if, if you have got the evidence in front of you you can um articulate and prosecute your argument i think quite well and that's what i would encourage candidates to do
0: thank you very much for speaking with me um, rebecca and and good luck in mayo
1: pleasure and and good luck to uh, to everyone who's um who's going to put a second mortgage on their house and have a go <laughs> <with the lesson. laughs> yeah we salute it's
0: them it's worth it
1: it's absolutely worth it
0: thank you rebecca thank you.